from the boardroom to the shop floor. Good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Dembele, for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. A very good evening to all and when it comes to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance, my name is Nimrod Dembele. How wonderful it is today. It's a glorious day. Not, not hot as it used to be. And we can all do with this kind of weather. Uh, how are you driving? I hope everybody's driving well. And, uh, you know, stay away from texting and stuff like that. Uh, nonetheless, I welcome your presence uh, in tonight's uh, conversation as we continue to push the envelope around governance issues. Uh, before we move into the gist of our conversation, um, it is only fair or right thing to do. Let me acknowledge uh, the, the high drive team for a job well done. They'll be back in your radio tomorrow. Do give them your audience that they require. Uh, and tonight, as we, you know, I'm not flying the ship alone. I've got Tabisa and Greg who's trying to navigate the ship that, uh, you know, that, 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 so that we're not having any technical glitches. Hopefully it's going to be great. Um, and uh, on that note, tonight it's a fairly interesting conversation uh, or a slant. I've never done any conversation or interview about a book. Um, you know, tonight we've got a sterling woman uh, whom I've got um, in a huge admiration for. Her name is Brenda Carley. She's a CEO at uh, Conscious Companies. Uh, she wrote a fascinating book entitled uh, Veritas, The Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World. That says a lot. I mean, that, you know, uh, title says a lot. Let me repeat it again. The title is Veritas, uh, The Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World. And and I expect you to weigh in our conversation tonight because I think, you know, the kind of conversation that will evolve from the from uh, this particular TV is going to be illuminating in so many ways as we are all fractured one way or the other, if you like. Uh, our environment is fractured. Our relationship is fractured, particularly in the context of corporate. The country is fractured. Everything is pretty much fractured. And, and COVID-19 pretty much... Uh, you know, display the kind of uh, conundrum that we're experiencing. Do weigh in on our conversation. Uh, our SMS line uh, is always 34519. The telegram, it's 061-895-1095. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome uh, Brenda Khali. Brenda, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Nimrod, and good evening to all your listeners. Fantastic. Uh, I suppose, you know, congratulations are in order, uh, you know, Brenda. Firstly, let me acknowledge the fact that you took time to come through and share, you know, with the listeners your wisdom and intellects around a very, uh, very complex and multidimensional topic, i.e. Uh, consciousness. And secondly, let me also thank you for, uh, you know, for the, you know, the work that you've done. The book is telling. Um, you know, I read it and I couldn't put it down. And it is, it is, it's wonderful in so many ways. The, I love the vocabulary. I love the expressions. I love the quotes, um, of leaders that you've had, um, throughout, um, you know, the world. Uh, well done once again, Brenda. No, thank you very much. You know, my foray into consciousness started 25 years ago and it really escalated when I joined the corporate space and I realized how human beings change when they enter the corporate space and the toxic corporate environment. And so that's what started me on this journey. And I've gathered 
And I've interviewed international icons and I asked them two questions. What is truth and what is consciousness? And the international icons are from the Dalai Lama to uh, Neil Donald Walsh, him of the Conversations of God fame, um, Deepak Chopra and Sri Sri Ravi Shankar from the Art of Living Ashram. And then local leaders who have been partners of conscious companies, who are winners of conscious, the conscious companies awards. And, and they all, we, you know, we all have a story to tell and they all had stories to tell about some transformative experience in their lives. You know, be it loss of a loved one or the loss of wealth, health, loss of livelihood, and regardless of who you are. There, there is a transformational experience that shifts us in search of consciousness. Thank you very much for that insight. I think you've already preempted my other question because when I read the book, I mean, you know, the you call it um, the 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 furore, how you came across um, this consciousness um, uh, philosophy, if you like. Uh, it, it was born out of tragedy. Could you just take uh, the listeners in your confidence in terms of? What really stimulated? Because I thought it's quite, you know, it was quite revealing and fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I was a high-powered executive, and one fine day, merrily going along my way, my daughter had a terrible accident. She was 21 year old. She had a wonderful life ahead of her, and she was in a coma for 10 months. And I sat next to her in the hospital bed every day for those 10 months and I could not understand where she was despite being physically present. Where was her essence? Where had she gone to? She was physically breathing, but she was not present. And this really turned my life on its head and set me on an exploration of life, death, consciousness. And this was while I simultaneously navigated a manipulative corporate environment. So, Having said all that, I had to come to terms with a new way of being with a daughter in a wheelchair after a 10-month coma. And you know what I discovered, Nimrod? Not my multi-million rand budget, positional power, all my executive skill set could prepare me in any way for the distress that life had shoveled my way. And you know, we all have stories to tell like this. It just depends on what we do. It acts as a transformative agent. Currently, an invisible microbe in the blood is a transformative agent for many of us. So it's what we do with that experience. I couldn't agree with you more. And and I mean, I mean, I've I've learned that you know your daughter is 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 has completely healed and she's a very productive member of society. How incredible is that? Yeah, you know, it's it's these moments that you experience real grace, and and during. This journey, I had experienced tremendous grace, and that is why I say, as human beings, we must never forget our essence, our, our core, and who we really are, regardless of the money and the wealth and the houses and, and whatever surrounds us. It is our inner journey. We have to go on an inner journey to embark on something that's meaningful and, and substantial in one's own life. You know, there's a line in my book that says, at some point in our lives, many of us have those defining moments where we are called upon to choose the hero's journey, face the demons, travel through darkness, and find a less brutal, less corrupt, and more gentle world. And I think that is the essence of what any of the challenges that we all experience is about. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Brent. But one of the issues that you raised um, at the fairly early stage of, um, you know, the, the this uh, conscious leadership, um, you know, philosophy, if you like, is the fact that when you started engaging, um, you know, corporate leaders around this approach, um, and some of them, you know, one of some of them were not really keen. And I think it's on page twelve of your book. One of them said. You know, your head was in the cloud. The question is, uh, I suppose it's, <laughs> I suppose it's always, um, it's, it's always possible that when, when something that is not known, you will always look down upon or shoved away or, you know, all sorts of negativity. But how did you gain the strength and the drive to, to, you know, to dust yourself off and, and bring as many people as possible for I believe that the conscious leadership movement has grown leaps and bounds. But take us through your journey. How did you, you know, um, you know, dust yourself off beyond those kinds of um, criticism that you've experienced? Well, you know, I expected. Did you ever talk about love around the boardroom table and see what the executives would do? They would look at you like you were some cadet from outer space. So regardless of that, you you cannot uh, uh, dismiss truth. And and we are conscious beings. And so when I did say to to the CEO of a media house, uh, you know, are we doing this conscious leadership program and we're doing the conscious companies awards? And and he laughed. I I said to him, you will regret it. And I walked away. And, oh, it's been a hard, long journey because many people can talk about conscious leadership. They can talk about consciousness, but it, it's a lived experience. Consciousness is just not some time in the sky esoteric concept. It's a lived experience of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, actions, and reactions. And it's all evidence for care and compassion. And, you know, you can differentiate a conscious human being from an unethical, unconscious one. So what differentiates a conscious leader, for that matter, any human being, from one who is unethical and unconscious? And, you know, just look at the environment around us, Nimrod. Why do we find ourselves in this dismal state presently in a country where leaders in the throes of lockdown and in economic crisis lose the billions intended for the jobless and the hungry. I mean, what what are the actions of these leaders? Because they do not understand consciousness or who they are. And they're driven by greed and self-interest. So here's a question, and I asked this before. What differentiates a doctor who cuts his patient and a murderer who cuts his victim? Or the actions of a Zuma from an actions of, the Man, of a Mandela? So my... My take is that a murderer wants to take a life and the doctor wants to save a life. And mm-hmm. that comes with care and compassion. Well, thank you very much for that. that. That's a very interesting analogy. I was like, you ready? <laughs> About to answer that question, but you came to my rescue because I was probably, I would have probably fumbled <laughs> in my attempt to respond to that. Not so easy questions. At the first, really, it sounds easy, but you really need to apply your mind. Uh, because one thing that I also liked, Brenda, is the fact that you, you talk about the lived experience. Before you respond to that question, and I read somewhere in your book, I think it's probably on page 25, if I record quite well, is the fact that you, you know, you've had a number of top executives of this country to some kind of an excursion 
and 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 I like the way you play around with words in that you did not persuade them uh, to come through. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you you said you you said in your book you you um, what's the word I was thinking? What you you not persuasion, but you it or not <laughs> exactly. But how did you how did you you know? Of course, I'm supposed most of these guys you mentioned by their names, uh, Maverick Abel. Uh, CEO of Prime Zayev, Mark Lavner, CEO of Africa Tycoon, Adam Craig, and CEO of, um, you know, Business IQ. Um, just to mention a few, these are obviously very busy individuals who have, who are managing very busy environments. How did you first sell the idea to an extent which they were able to see the value of developing that consciousness, uh, and, and going back and applying, uh, that those kinds of principles uh, in the, uh, in a working environment. Take us through that. Journey. Over the past six years, we've had the Conscious Companies Awards and we call for nominations for the Conscious Companies Awards. And we normally have 102 nominations to, uh, it varies. And so we go through a severe evaluation and verification process. And these leaders who are, who I'm interviewed in the book and you mentioned the name are either winners or finalists. Or partners. And so initially, they, they looked and said, oh, what is Conscious Companies Awards? And then they realized we have six criteria and we, uh, we put them through their paces. And I, the prize of the Conscious Companies Awards is a week-long trip to India for a mind-body-spirit detox. Hmm. I like the sound of it already. And they really do go through their cases and they go through a program of conscious leadership. And I must tell you, Nimro, they come back to this country and their whole behavior and the way they operate within within their sphere of influence changes tremendously. I mean, they always try to do the right thing. And this is why I decided to write and mention these leaders and interview these leaders in the book. You know, people talk about governance and ethics, and it becomes a tick box. It becomes a total tick box exercise. But you don't need to have a tick, tick box if you are conscious. It becomes a natural part of your DNA where ethical behavior is natural and automatic. And governance is absolutely who you are. So so conscious leadership, let me tell you, we made it very fashionable and trendy. You know, after the the pandemic, we are in an age of consciousness. We have to accept that we have to be in an age of consciousness or there's no hope for for humanity. Look, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the COVID-19 has really um, sent a very strong signal that, you know, man and nature doesn't mess around. Um, And and we have seen a lot of um, solutions which came as a result of being aware of the environment. First, you have to be cognizant, you have to be conscious uh, of the impact, and you have to obviously extend the kind of compassion and understanding firstly to your co- to your colleagues and to your subordinates and to fellow employees. So there's a kind of, uh, uh, kind of gestures that COVID-19 has really taught us. For the first time in, in so many instances, I would imagine, corporates, uh, valued life. You know, these are kind of conversations I've had with people and who says, look, Nimrod, I mean, we never thought corporate, we never saw, thought businesses in general would put human life first. Um, it has always been profit, you know, that kind of rhetoric, but clearly COVID-19, mother nature has somehow 
um, uh, uh, rekindle that humanity spirit in that, yes. you know, individuals had to put forward um, the, and, and appreciate the value of life uh, and, you know, and, and protect it as much as possible. You know, your, your take on that. So why is it critical? And I, I just want to say to you, uh, if we don't understand consciousness, especially in the environment we operate in, we, they, there's no hope for us. Uh, let me just give you an example because I can only talk from my uh, experience. Why is it critical that leaders in positions engage and embrace with consciousness and ethics? So I, w- I want to just give you an example. A few years back when the chairman of Valdez, Excon lost his job. He went on TV over the oil spill and said, uh, you know, he just killed a few birds. What he didn't reckon on was the environmental lobby. And the same with BP's Gulf of Mexico oil spill. And these people just operate unconscionably. And there are a number of leaders who are clueless about how being a conscious leader affects the reputation, the brand, and the bottom line of their companies. So I just can't understand why we don't get to your question why we actually don't get uh, how we can be in the world differently you know what uh, because you raise a very pertinent issue you raise a pertinent issue and i've just been told that we need to pay our bills uh hold on to their thoughts uh we're going to come back in just a second this is beyond governance with dr nimrod Dembele on 101.9 high fm Welcome back uh, to the second edition of uh, the show. If you've just joined us, uh, you didn't miss out quite a bit. Stay tuned as we're having a very, uh, you know, thought-provoking conversation on a very complex issue. I'm joined online by Brenda Kali, who's a CEO at uh, Conscious Companies. She's also a, a, an author of a book entitled Veritas, The Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World. Do weigh in our conversation. I implore you, uh, via our SMS line, which is 34519. The Telegram is, is, uh, 0618951095. Brenna, you know, when you went back, you know, just before we went to the break, you raised a very pertinent yeah. issue about, you know, the, the correlation between consciousness in relation to how a company performs and the extent to which a particular decision could harm the brand of 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 a of a company, and and that is not something that one takes very lightly. Could you just perhaps maybe take us through that particular example of the oil spillage and the extent to which you want to bring it back to the consciousness of of leaders? You know, you know, Nimrod, you cannot fake credibility, integrity, or trust. You know, these organisations they hinge on the principles of trust, consistency, transparency and to be authentic. And if they don't get that, that's what happens. CEOs lose their jobs. People buy into a product, a service, a brand, an idea, a relationship, simply because they trust that one is a conscious leader and they will shape their company accordingly. They will just have to do the right thing. You know, just by example, a few years ago when Apple had a product innovation slip-up, it became a media and reputation issue. So CEO Tim Cook made three important decisions to handle the fallout. He announced that Apple would first make a charitable donation, something that Steve Jobs was reported to feel was placing their people first. And that is so important, place your people at the core. And third, he announced that Apple would start paying dividends again. 
17 years after it had stopped. And the rest is history in the Apple story. And you know where it is. That is what a conscious leader would do. Not perfect, but just actions to do the right thing. I can cite a hundred stories of how conscious leaders save their companies, not always looking at the bottom line, but by putting their people first. You know, they instill a culture of belongingness, which makes all the difference, Nimrod. Um, and in, in this country, during COVID, you could see we gave a special conscious leadership award to an organization who did the utmost during the pandemic. And we gave it to the gift of givers because they, they went beyond call of duty. But there were many, many organizations who didn't concentrate on the bottom line, who saved their jobs, who took salary cuts. I mean, I know one of my founders who took a 40, the CEO took a 40% salary cut just to save a few low, low end jobs. So, yeah, but the challenge is to get those leaders, as I was saying, who are driven by just profit and the bottom line to think differently. You know, that is the motiva- motivation, excuse me, and, and that is why I wrote the book. It is possible if they are exposed and they are given examples of the many leaders who have the companies thriving even during the pandemic because they were just doing the right thing. It I, is I not an academic understanding. Okay, please proceed. Yeah, so, so, you know, conscious behavior is about a willingness and an awakening of the mind. And, 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 you know, it's a process of self-discovery. Excuse me. So how do we create these people who are going to be conscious? How do we make this into a ground swell of conscious leadership where behavior in government, behavior amongst the top echelons of, of society, that change the behavior. How do we do that? You know, this unbridled greed that runs, runs rampant and leaders and governments just do not get it. They do not get what consciousness is. And business too has experiences. We've had the Steinoffs, we have the Hewlett, uh, Tonga, Hewlett, um, and we have the boardroom games that are devoid of humanity. And, you know, we, we just do not understand why human beings do what they do and why things are the way they are. But if we are entrusted with the well-being of others, and especially the poorest of the poor, and isn't it our duty, our responsibility to do something about it? No, there's no doubt on it, without a shed of doubt. I mean, every single yeah. corporation that, that you are not, that you know of, um, I mean, obviously on paper, that's what happens. In practice, is something else. But before you get to that, something that, something that, um, that interested me in your in your last um, utterance is the fact that we have how do we create an environment where we have multitude of individuals um, you know who embrace conscious um, leadership and ethical outlook towards life because it's not only the competence or responsibilities of leaders within organization I, I, because you know because it becomes so cumbersome becomes almost impossible. To, to, to change the tide when so much responsibility rests on few shoulders. So I think it's quite important that we, in a way, find a, a, a mechanism that cultivate more and more people to be part and parcel of this movement. How, how would we go about that particular approach? Well, 
we have the global council of conscious leaders but i agree with you it, it is it should be every human being should want to behave in this believe and behave in this world differently but ultimately it is the leader who cascades the culture of a country or a company it is the leader and it, the responsibility is that they have to take responsibility for their people so we understand that as a species as humanity we must absolutely actively understand the transformative power of consciousness then we can move into a portal of awareness we can do that Imran. there is a price to pay for all of this you know if you embark on the journey of conscious leadership or ethics it's not an easy easy journey because one will never be the same again and people do not like change they do not want to change if you are forced by circumstances to do something that is unethical if you are a conscious leader your conscience will raise its head and you will willingly or unwillingly think about your actions so you to your question we there are many many people who are doing conscious leadership training there are many people who are doing governance and ethical training but if we do not go onto a transformative journey inward and have that aspect in one's training then i'm afraid consciousness would be elusive to many of us i couldn't agree with you more brenda but you know um I think it's in in chapter you know chapter 6 of your book one elusive you read the book thoroughly because you're putting the pages on chapters back to me I see. you know I, I was saying I was saying to the producer of the show you know what I, I cannot bring Brenda here when I've not read the book so trust me I did my job <laughs> and I'm glad that, that I didn't finish it but trust me I did about 95% of it One key issue that you raise um in in chapter 6 Brenda uh maybe before that uh, um you know if you've just joined us we are having a very fascinating conversation about you know conscious conscious leadership um in South Africa or incorporation in incorporation as it were with the author of a book entitled Veritas Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World her name is Glenda Kali do we're in our conversation i implore you uh for this the issue that we're talking about tonight i'm sure have um uh, have, um money i mean i'm sure they 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 pretty much peace uh every environment that you may think of so that's my that's my that's my plea we're in our conversation at 34519 the telegram is 0618951095 as i was saying brenda one of the critical issue that the world has seen um come back to you know the title of the book fractured world um in the sense that we are not operating in trust deficit um because we don't trust the boards we don't trust the executive the executive don't trust each other uh, board members don't trust each other government does not trust you know there's simply huge vacuum of trust which makes it very difficult for a collective humanity to prevail hence we see pockets of humanity hence we see the likes of the you know the gift of the givers which should be in multitude but you know almost like an island here's the question um which 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 trouble pretty much every leader under the sun uh in terms of bringing back and regaining the confidence regaining the trust 
of your support staff, your colleagues, your 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 supervisors, and so on and so forth. How do we create by way of actions? Do you have tools that you can share with us in terms of, um, you know, elevating or pushing the boundaries, bringing as many people as possible in our confidence to build trust? You know, why don't we have trust? It's it's a cultural issue because greed kills trust. Um, you know, if trust is broken, uh, organizations cannot succeed at any cost. And, and, and how do we create trust? It's a cultural change and it's a transformative change. So it's by understanding. Uh, you know, if a leader embarked on, on, on escalating the trust uh, quotient in his organization, what would he do? He would gather his people from the executive right up to the, 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 the staff at the bottom end and, and get them to, because ignorance, if you are ignorant about each other, and if there's cultural differences as well and racial differences, there's no trust. That is why this country is the way it is. We do not trust anybody. We do not trust different cultures, different d- different aspects of our society. Why is that? Because we are ignorant of the fact. We do not we do not relate to them as one human being to another. There should be a oneness about humanity. And if anything that this crisis has taught us, that's what it should teach us, the oneness of, of human beings. We all go to sleep the same way. We all breathe the same way. It's our breath. And, and you know, there's a very thin line between life and death, and that is your breath. So if we are aware of who we, we really are, then... It's a new way of being in the world. So coming back to your question of trust, it is still, and I still say, it is dependent on leadership to instill that culture of trust in any organization or even in a country. This country is broken. We do not have trust in this country. We do not trust the government. We do not trust organizations. And, and rightly so. Look at how we've been looted. Look at how what's happened in terms of our 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 economic status where we are at the moment. So so it's a very difficult, difficult task. Um, the tools that I can say that we, we, we can instill trust is we have to go back to our internal being. Each human being should go on an, embark on an internal journey of transformation. Each human being should examine where they are in terms of planet and in, and their sphere of influence. And then, and then you can cascade it. Thanks. Thank you very much for sharing that, Brenda. Um, I think it's quite useful because at some point, uh, we, we, you know, the, the locus of control is within us. We obviously have to make a concerted effort to, to, to resuscitate the humanity. Uh, within us, and and it's not something that would would okay. It it has to be nurtured. It has to be activated. It has to be cultivated. Uh, and and talk of cultivation, the assumption is that there are fundamentals of consciousness, which you've pointed out in chapter eight of your book. Could you just perhaps maybe take us through almost like the building block of developing conscious and ethical leadership, which um, the listener can take out then saying, okay. Well, in practical terms, this is how company X 
was, uh, you know, before COVID-19 or for an example, or before a disaster, but because they seem to have applied the fundamentals of conscious leadership, conscious and ethical leadership, this is where they are. And there's material value and benefits if you subscribe to the fundamentals of, of, of conscious leadership. Take us through some of those fundamental, uh, uh, almost like the building blocks of um, conscious leadership that you've put out in your book. So, so there's various steps to, to conscious leadership and action, Nimrod. Um, and I just want to say to you that, you know, when leaders are found wanting, especially in their organizations, they have a real opportunity to turn this hurdle into a life lesson. So, and I just want to give you an example before I come back to the building blocks. You know, an extreme example of this is, uh, that was straight Austrian psychiatrist Viktor Frankl, who just sitting incarcerated in the concentration camp. He, you know, within the concentration camps. And he noticed that even though everyone was exposed to the same conditions and the same environment, some people would make it and some people won't. And so, too, in the corporate environment, we're all exposed to the same pandemic, the same circumstances and, and job losses. Most organizations went through that. But which companies survived and which companies didn't? The companies who were purposeful in what they were doing, they, they, they put the bottom line last. They put the bottom line at the And they were driven by purpose. Those are the companies who have thrived during this pandemic. So, and I can give you many examples of companies who have done that. How do we create these conscious, courageous leaders? You know, with a different way and quality of thinking. We put them through several processes. There's, there's different, there's the conscious leadership masterclass, there's a conscious leadership retreat. And there's conscious leadership programs that take you through. They're very experiential. It's it's an internal journey as well as an external one. But when you leave the the, the training or the or when you go through those building blocks, you then realize your place on the planet. And 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 you you are then filled. And hopefully, after going through those processes, you're filled with responsibility. Because what is responsibility? It's not only the power to respond, but it is a, res- a power to act and act doing the right thing. You know, what's very, very wrong with our educational system? It really requires an internal journey and an attitudinal change. We don't have that in our educational system. You know, we, we teach people the skill set. We teach them how to make a living, but we do not teach them the skills on how to live. And that is the gap here. The reflection of leadership, you know, it's a better world for all who live in it. That requires courage. That requires an individual transformation. And, you know, without that, political and social transformation is not possible. The issue that, the issue that I wanted to bring to your attention, which, which, um, you know, uh, uh, almost struck me is, is the extent to which we are not able to deal with fear. Um, because most people, um, 
they 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 they're quite fearful of being vulnerable, quite fearful uh, of being exposed, you know, fearful of you know putting themselves out there. Uh, the, the kind of internal transformation that you're talking about cannot happen until there are trade-offs. So, practically speaking, what are the tools that you can suggest for people to shed off the fear and allow themselves to be more vulnerable with a view to to, to, to develop in-depth understanding and application of, of, of consciousness? I can say it in one word, Nimrod. We're all going to die at <laughs> one time or the other. So why fear anything if you understand the concept of life and death? If you can understand your breath, that so long as you're breathing, so long as you can breathe, you are alive. And the moment that breath stops, you're dead. So what the problem is that we, we think we're immortal. And because we think we're immortal, the fear sets in, oh, we're going to lose something or, or we have to hoard. We have to accumulate. And that's where the fear, and fear is, is dysfunctional. It makes one's life dysfunctional. And I can just encapsulate it in one word. Own your life. How, how do you become courageous? How do you look fear in the eye? How do you do that? By owning your own power. Where does that power come from? It doesn't come from your position. It doesn't come from your wealth or health or material well-being. It comes internally. It comes from inter- your internal resources. And if you can tap into those internal resources by the power of your breath, by the power of being still, by the power of acknowledging that we are a minute speck of dust in 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 regard to the whole of the cosmos, we are nothing in terms of the cosmos. In what is here? And and that, according to one of your the fundamentals of conscious leadership, is emotional intelligence. <laughs> uh, because you cannot understand your environment until you know you, you, your mind, your thoughts, your feeling, your senses, uh, and 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 follow that that sense of of, of intuition. So I think that's one you know pickup line that that I feel very strongly about in terms of the fundamentals of conscious leadership or at least an attempt to bring about that. I mean, you, you speak of, of um, a sense of self. Uh, you spoke about emotional intelligence. You talk about um, a sense of humor. So, so there are, you know, there are one or two, th- two or three that I can relate with, for an example, humor. Uh, humor, it's, it's one, you know, it, it looks quite, it looks quite a fair and just something that you can dismiss, but it's so profound. Yes. Yes, laughter. Laughter is the essence of life. If we cannot laugh, then we miss. And, 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 you know, we're in a country that, that has been so riddled with, with such depressing news and the headlines scream at us all the time. How do we find humor in, in, in these things? We have to tap into our internal resources to find that, right? I'll tell you how to find humor. Watch, uh, Zona Commission. Uh, of state, uh, of uh, state, uh, uh, you know, then you you realize um, how humor, <laughs> or the extent to which uh, you know we can make uh, humor out of that kind of uh, very unpleasant environment. I tell you what, sorry, man, we we gonna have to leave it here, uh, Glenda. I see, uh, you know, the producer of the show flagging that we need to wrap up. Once again, thank you very much for coming through. It's been an absolute pleasure, Brenda. Thank you, Nimrod. Thank you, Nimrod.
Thank you so much for having me on the show, Nimrod. And I do believe what you're doing for conscious leadership true is also valuable. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you are. We had a very fascinating conversation with Brenda Kalu, who is the author of Veritas, um, you know, a, a book called Veritas, The Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World. Uh, I suppose we all got a sense of how we can rebuild the kind of conscious and ethical leadership which is so desperately required uh, in, in corporate South Africa as well as at the macro level. Every single government department, every single municipality and so on and so forth. I mean, when you, every single time when you listen to the news on Google, there's all a lot of stuff that just so depressing. Uh, we suggest that most of those agents, those actors were not conscious. They suppressed, they, 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 they almost forgotten why they were there in the first place. Who are they saving? Did they saving themselves or their friends? by lining up, you know, their pockets and so on and so forth. So these are some of the snippets which we can all learn from. I sincerely hope that you have learned as much as I've learned from Glenda. Uh, I would uh, suggest very strongly that you buy the book um, entitled Veritas, The Search for Conscious Leadership and Truth in a Fractured World. Let's do this again next week. It has been an absolute pleasure. Davisa, thank you very much. Craig, thank you very much for coordinating the show. Let's do this again. In the meantime, do stay safe. Adios.